when we dwell in God's Word, then God's Word dwells in us, and that shapes us, that forms us. And what we're going to do as we launch this little series is we're going to try to give you some tools, some really practical, specific tools to help learn to dwell. And we're going to start by looking at uh, Psalm 1, the first psalm in the book. So I'd like to invite everyone to take out your Bible um, or your device, or if you don't have a Bible, there should be one in a chair in front of you, and turn to Psalm 1. And Psalm is about right in the middle. If you crack your Bible open to the middle and let it fall open, it should fall open to Psalms. Then find Psalm 1. This is, uh, this is where Psalm starts, and so it's where we're going to start in our attempt to dwell. And, and just a little, maybe, invitation to you. Uh, this might be a really great series for you to bring your own Bible with you, because part of what we're going to try to practice is actually dwelling in these words and then responding to them. And one of the ways many people find it helpful to respond is they have their Bible and have their notes right in their Bible or underline or make highlights or do something so that as you're dwelling in the Word, you're making note of that. So I just invite you and encourage you to maybe bring your own Bible with you throughout this series. Psalm 1. And we're also going to try to let the Word dwell in our, in our hearts in various ways, not just by reading, but by singing and praying and meditating and different things like that. So we're going to start with Psalm 1, and we're going to start by having it sung to you. So you read along, and Emily's going to sing Psalm 1 to us. here ever feels like they need a breather from life, like you need to have a little escape. The realities of the world are just too much and you got to get away. Anybody ever feel like that? Okay, what do you do to escape? What do you do to get away? 
When I stopped to think about this, I realized that a lot of my escapes have to do with screen time. Screen time involves things like I go to my phone and I like check out box scores or headlines. I uh, pull out my Kindle and I read a book on my screen. I pull out my laptop and I watch funny dog videos on YouTube or uh, movie trailers. That's an escape for me. Or I just turn on the TV and sometimes watch, sometimes binge watch shows like Psych or MASH. Those are things I do to try to escape screen time. Now, these little excursions into kind of an alternate reality or into a fantasy world help me cope with the real world. They refresh. They kind of give me life and, and buoyancy. And the thing I really like about screen time is I am in control. With the power of my finger, usually, I can control the world that I'm looking at, and I can avoid all the bad stuff, and I can look at whatever good, beautiful, happy stuff I want to watch. And if I do watch anything of any seriousness, usually any conflict is resolved within about 30 minutes, so I don't have to let it linger on. It's nice to have a little escape. But I started to wonder if this is a problem, if trying to escape from the realities of life is a problem. Is it irresponsible? And I even started to wonder, is it unchristian to try to escape whenever there's a problem? So I was thinking about that, and I came to the conclusion that, you know, there probably is some room for escape. And I actually came across a little article by uh, Linda Holmes, who writes for NPR. She gave a really interesting perspective on screen time. Do you remember the movie The Martian? Did, did you guys see that one? That's the one where um, Matt Damon gets stranded on Mars and he has to figure out how to get off. And as he's trying to escape from Mars, he spends a lot of time trying to grow potatoes. Remember that? He puts a lot of effort into growing. Now, the potatoes are not absolutely essential for his escape from Mars, right? But the potatoes are absolutely essential to keep him alive until he can escape from Mars. And uh, this Linda Holmes said, screen time is kind of like that. When we're dealing with all kinds of stuff in our lives, yeah, sometimes in order to just kind of maintain, we have to like escape for a while and get away. So I don't begrudge us the occasional diversion, but I got a question for you. Did anybody here know how much the average American adult spends on screen time in a day? Would you like to guess if you don't know? The average American adult screen time. Guesses? Four hours? Six hours? Ten hours and 39 minutes. That was for 2016. And that was actually a full one hour more than the year before. So for 10 hours and 39 minutes a day, the average person in America goes to their screens for something. That's a lot of time. Question, how many hours a day do you think the average American spends reading the Bible? Anybody want to guess? Seven, eight, nine, ten hours? No, okay, this is a little harder statistic to kind of get a hold of, but I, Christianity Today did a survey a few years ago, and their results indicated, first of all, that of the people who attend church, 
only about 20% of them read their Bible every day. That's us. 20% of us read our Bible daily, according to this survey. And the average length for those who do read it, 75% of them, it's less than 30 minutes a day. So for the sake of the argument, let's say 10 hours and 39 minutes of screen time and 10 minutes of Bible time. How do you feel about that? So here's the goal for this Dwell series. By the end of the month of August, we hope as a congregation that we are spending more time dwelling in God's Word than we are right now. That's our goal to try to give you tools and motivation and encouragement so that by the end of this, we're all just spending a little more time in God's Word. Now, for some of us, that's going to be super easy because about 80% of you aren't doing any. (laughs) Just going by the stats. (laughs) So if we can start reading a minute or five minutes or ten minutes a day, we're going to be happy. What we want to do is try to grow that screen time. Question. Do you believe that what you eat impacts your health? Yeah, most of us would buy that. Do you believe that what you listen to or watch shapes your attitudes? Yeah, I think most of us would buy that. Do you think that what you read shapes your heart? Yeah, I think we would buy that too. Okay, how many of you had a mother like this who said, be careful who you pick as your friends? My mom would say that. And it's kind of interesting because I think we believe, most of us, that the people that we live with shape our lives, don't they? The people that we hang out with have some impact on us. So, question, what would spending more time dwelling in God's Word do for your life? Would it shape your life? Well, listen to what Psalm 1 says about it. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of the sinners or take a seat in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on that law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither and whatever they do prospers. The one who dwells in the word is blessed. And we've talked about this word a lot in the past. This is a big word. This is a huge idea. This isn't just happy. This means that you receive God's favor, blessing. The one who dwells in the world finds true delight. It's a delightful thing to to dwell in the world. They don't walk with the wicked. They don't stand with the sinners. They don't sit with the mockers. Now, just about everyone who studies this passage notices this little progression in this verse. The, The path toward disobedience or sinfulness starts with, you know, first I'm kind of walking along the same pathway as the sinner. Then pretty soon I'm kind of standing around chatting with the sinner. And before long, I'm sitting there dwelling with the sinner. And that's a pathway that leads to us becoming like chaff, the Bible says, like blown in the wind. But if we meditate on the law of God day and night, there's blessing. The one who dwells is going to be like a tree that's planted by a stream of living water. This tree, his roots go down deep. This tree, the leaves never wither. This tree bears fruit in season. This is the one who prospers and does not perish. Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. Now, I'm guessing 
that when I read these passages and give you this little overview, I'm guessing that I'm preaching to the choir because I'm guessing you already all believe this, that if I was going to ask you, is God's word true? You'd go, yeah, it's true. Is God's word delightful? You'd go, yeah, it's delightful. Is God's word bring life? Does God's word bring blessing? Does God's word bring flourishing? I'm guessing every one of you would go, yeah, 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 it would, it would. But are we reading it? Now, we got some data on our own congregation because many of you filled out this reveal survey, remember, at the beginning of the summer? And we found out that we have a lot of people, it's like 80% of our people say, the word of God is true. And only a handful of us read it every day of us. This is a survey from our own congregation. We don't meditate on it. So as I was thinking about this, I'm wondering what, what causes this? If we're going to try to like address this issue, then we should try to figure out what would help us do better at dwelling in the Word and reading it. And I have two kind of different kind of roadblocks I want to just brush over quickly. Practical roadblocks to dwelling in the Word and what I'm going to call supernatural roadblocks. I'm going to start with the supernatural roadblocks. Maybe call this a roadblock reality check, okay? First roadblock that keeps us from reading the Word, from dwelling in the Word. First one, we're sinners. We are sinners, and so that means that we are corrupt and depraved and proud and self-centered people. That's what a sinner is. We don't think we need the Word. Because we're smart, independent people who sometimes think we're even smarter than God. I don't need to go to God's Word. I can figure it out myself. So we rely on our own instincts, our own strengths, our own goodness to navigate life's problems. In fact, we take in a steady diet of encouragement that tells us, rely on yourself and ignore God. We take in a steady diet of that from our world. Much of the input we get from our screen time reinforces our own sinfulness by telling us, yeah, you don't need God. You can ignore him. He's not real. He's not relevant. It's not important. You can do it yourself. One reason we do not dwell in the Word is because we're sinners, and so we choose not to dwell. It's a choice. Box scores, Scripture. I don't know how many times a day I get my smartphone out and go, oh, did the Cubs play today? Did the Cubs win today? Roadblock reality check. One of the reasons we do not meditate on the Word daily is because we are sinners who choose not to meditate on the Word. We choose not to read it. That's a problem. And so I want to make a little pact with you throughout this month as we're trying to all grow in this and become better at this. Here's the the pact I'd like to make, at least for the next month. If I happen to come up to any of you and I ask you the question, how's it going with your dwelling in the Word? And you happen to say to me, I don't have time, I'm going to yell, liar, liar, pants on fire. (laughs) Okay, can we just agree to do it that way? I don't know how many times people have told me, I don't have time to read the Word. I don't have time. And I'm spending 10 hours a day with my screen. Are you kidding me? Okay, enough, enough on that. You got me all wound up on that one. 
Roadblock reality check. One of the reasons we don't dwell on the Word is because we choose not to. We just make that choice because we're sinners. Second roadblock reality check. We have an enemy. An enemy of our souls who does not want us to dwell in the Word. The devil is described as a deceiver, as a liar, the father of lies. He, he blinds us to truth. And he is very happy when we do not dwell in God's Word. And this is not just some... You know, reading the Bible isn't like just reading a newspaper or reading an article, reading a textbook. R- reading the Bible is this like defiant act of defining us as God's people. We're people who say, you know what, there's more to this world than what we can see with our eyes. There's stuff going on all over the place, all around us, and it's, it happens by the power of God. And when we read God's Word, we're acknowledging that. We're saying, God, you're the one who's in control of this world, and you're in control of my life. And the devil does not want us to read that. He doesn't want us to dwell in the Word, so he will do whatever he can to try to trick us. Now, one of the reasons the devil's so good at this is because he's crafty. He's subtle. He, he doesn't have to get us to do a great, wicked, evil thing to get us away from God's Word. He just has to get us to check the box scores. That's all. How many of you have ever read C.S. Lewis' Screwtape Letters? That's a great little book. If you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. In this book, C.S. Lewis imagines what a conversation would be like between this master demon and this demon in training. And as this master demon is coaching this junior demon, one of his best tools. He comes back to this tool time and time again. His, one of his best tools? Distraction. I don't have to get these people to be real e- evil, he says. You just have to get them to be distracted from the things of God. And it can be anything. It can be your stomach growling. It can be the doorbell ringing. It can be a phone call. It can be anything to distract you. How many of you have had this, oh, this happen to you? Where you're reading the Bible and all of a sudden after you pick it up, you're thinking... I got to make a grocery list. I got to go change the oil in the car. I got to walk the dog. I got to clean the fish tank. I never thought about it until I opened up the Word of God. And then all these things bombard me. Satan is our enemy. And here's a roadblock reality check He does not want us to dwell in the Word. And He will leverage all of His massive resources to keep us from doing that. The Bible does make some great promises, though, in that regard, and one of them I love is this. It says, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. That's talking about God's power to overcome these supernatural roadblocks that are in our way. And um, last week, I don't, if you weren't here last week, you missed a really beautiful sermon. Alan told this story about the chairs. You remember that? And he went through this large chunks of history, and the story was always the same, that God wanted to dwell with his people, but they chose to turn their back on God. And you'd think that would be the end of it. They turn their back on God, God's done with them. But what we heard and what we see played out in Scripture time and time again is God is not satisfied with that. So God constantly comes back around to his people and says, no, I'm not going to let you go. I'm going to pursue you with an unrelenting love. And when I was thinking about how to overcome these barriers to our dwelling in the Word, it seemed to me that maybe we could personalize this illustration and it would maybe help us picture what's going on maybe behind the curtains in God's desire to meet with us. And so I've asked Gary to come up here and help me out 
when we were mapping this out, we realized that one of us had to be God. And I told Gary he had to be God, and he was not comfortable with that, so he made me be God. So you're going to have to deal with that, I guess. And what we wanted you to think about was, what would it look like if this God of an unrelenting love was pursuing you in the midst of your distractions? What would that look like? So we just want you to try to imagine what that's like. So Gary, I want to tell you something. I made you. I formed you. You are mine. And I love you. And I want you to know me. I want you to spend time in my word. By spending time in my word, you're going to discover who I am. You're going to engage in a relationship with me. That's what I would like you to do. God, I, I love you. I do. I, I want to spend time with you. And I'm... Can you hang on just a second? I've been waiting on a, on a call, really. So it's like, just hang on just a second. Voice message. Voice message. Are you kidding me? That can't be true. That just can't be the case. We've got to get this done. Work is so busy. Okay. Got to get the text done. Okay. Get this taken care of. Look at that Facebook video. That is really cool. Is that a... It, cat? Gary. Not a cat. I want to spend time with you. I'm offering you my word. My world reveals who I am. It reveals the plan that I have for your life. It tells you how you should live, and it tells you about me. And I I know you, and I'd like you to know me as well as you can. So I'd like you to spend some time dwelling in this word, listening to my voice, and following my voice. I'm really sorry about that. You know I'm really busy. You know me better than I know you. I mean, than I know myself. And I want to spend time with you, and, and I want to spend time with all of God's people, too. In fact, you know, I think I saw somebody in the audience today that had a Hawkeyes outfit on. It was awesome. You know that the Hawkeyes are going to start to play in just a few weeks. It's going to be good. Although I think the Cyclones are probably going to be a little bit better. You know, maybe tech team, you know, can you guys bring up ESPN? Because that would be really good. We could bring that up. And we could kind of see what's going on because pro football season is going to go on too. Um, in fact, can you guys just give me control? Because also, you guys ever watch Food Network? Battle of the Network Stars is going on. It is really cool. It's like they get to go back and forth. They get to make this really good food. And if you get stuck there, th- sorry. I'm feeling like you're having a little bit of trouble hearing what I'm saying to you. I want to speak into your life. I want to shape you and form you. I want you to know me, and you can do that when you spend time in my word. God, I, I hear what you're saying, but I know your word. In fact, it's like out of, out of Genesis. It's like you said, I made the heavens and the earth, and I made the moon and the stars and the sun, and I made the animals, and I made plants, and you made me, and you made all these people, and you said, it's good. Well, God, I'm a good person. I am. I'm a good person. I go to church. I go to church I, at least a couple Sundays a month. It's like when they pass the offering plate, it's like I usually put something in there. It's like, what does this dwelling thing mean? Isn't that good enough? It's like, I'm good to my wife. I'm, I, I try to be with her when there are things going on. And if she has kind of issues she needs to talk about. I pay my taxes. It's like I don't lie very often. And I try not to swear if, I, if things are going. Ca- I, I'm, I'm a good person. It's like, isn't that what dwelling is all about? You're not listening to me. 
dwelling is about spending time with me. And the way you spend time with me is by listening to the words I have for you. Just like any other relationship that you're trying to develop, you can't develop that relationship if you don't spend time with the person. Spending time with me in my word is how you get to know me, and I'm inviting you to come dwell with me. I want to do that. Can you help me understand how to do that better? Okay, when I think about the um, supernatural barriers that keep me from dwelling in God's word, I think about my own sinfulness in the choice that I make to not read it. And I also think about the enemy who's working to try to keep me from reading the word. When I think about God's desire to come near to me, that overcomes those barriers for me. I'm like, I picture this God who's like pursuing me like relentlessly. And that makes me go, okay, I want to. But there's some tools that help me with this, and we want to talk about those. Uh, the first kind of practical tool that I use is, uh, or the, it's, it's response to this roadblock of discipline. For me, one of the big roadblocks to dwelling in the Word is just not doing it. So the tool that I use is a plan. I need to have a plan. I need to have a schedule. I need to set a time. Just like with my exercise or with my diet, if I don't make a plan, then I don't do it. But with uh, reading God's Word, dwelling in the Word, practically speaking, I got to have a plan. When I have a plan, I do better. Okay. So that's one. And, and one of the tips that, that I had, again, from a practical kind of thing, it's like, as Kent said, it's like getting the Word and getting the Word off the pages and getting them into my heart and into my head. And one of the things we talked about that in the Psalm 1 passage that, that Kent talked about, um, it says to meditate on the law day and night. It's like, how do you do that? Am I, am I sleeping with the Bible under my pillow? It's, no, it's that the Word is written on our hearts. And as we have learned to, to have that Word and getting it into our minds, then it gives us an opportunity to meditate. One of the times that I really need to be able to meditate, to be in the Word, is when I get up in the morning. It's like I typically, it's like I'll wake up and it's like I'm not just jumping out of bed and getting ready to go. And it's like, and I know that there are going to be a lot of tough things going on during that day. And so I want to meditate on that word. And usually the one that I use is, um, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And does that fix it every time? A lot of times I plop right back down in bed and it's like, oh, here we go. But I meditate on that. This is the day that the Lord has made. God has made this day. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And because we know that God has good in store for us, that allows me to, to get up and get going and to move forward during the day. So that's one of the tips in terms of meditation as compared to having the Bible in front of me. It's having that word in my heart and being able to meditate on that based on what I've studied. And I think that fits with our overall theme for the series, that meditation is not about um, huge chunks of Scripture but it's about finding a few verses that can live in your heart and dwell in you and start to shape you. So we got a little tool in your bulletin. It's a blue insert. This is the one that does not go in the recycling after the service. This goes home with you. So stick it in your purse or in your Bible. And some of you may be already doing this, but this gives you some really practical guidance of how you can take a piece of Scripture and put it in your heart. Maybe you're not a reader and you have never done this before, so your first step would be simply read it. Read the passage. After you've done that, there's some additional things you can do. You can write it out in your own words. You can say it out loud. You can pray it. You can sing it. So there's some tips about how to do that in here. And then on the back, there's a week's worth of readings. So what we're going to do next Sunday is we're going to ask all of you, how many of you got a chance to at least read a passage each day 
from this little book. Now, some of you are already doing this. Don't feel like you have to add this on top of what you're already doing. But um, those of you who are not doing anything, I invite you to take this home, go through these seven little passages, and apply them to your life. That's the invitation to, to dwell. And um, I'm just, I think that's a big call, and I think there's a big battle going on to make sure this happens. So I'd like to invite you to join me in a prayer. God, I, I thank you for these good people and for their patience with me and for their good listening to you. Um, God, we are a people who desire to dwell with you, to draw near, to be in your word. I pray that your spirit would spark something in us, that you would turn us toward you, turn our face toward your face so that we have this desire to hear your word and to dwell in it. And God, may you bless the time that we have so that we will be like trees planted by streams of water and we will flourish. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.